Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Wednesday, and I'm excited to be sharing a new episode with you. This is actually a funny episode only because of the timing of it. So I intended this episode to air the week of Halloween because I thought it was like a cool, spooky, paranormal-themed episode. But as Tara, one of my former guests who is an astrologer, mentioned about Mercury retrograde, to expect a lot of delays. And this is a great example of a Mercury retrograde delay. But I'm still excited to share this because I thought we had a really fun conversation. I brought back Michelle Russo. She was a guest earlier on with the episode Suddenly Single. If you guys want to check that episode out, it was a really fun one. And she's a former St. Louis Rams cheerleader. She became an author. She's written for Thought Catalog and a bunch of other cool magazines. And she has just a lot of wisdom. And she's also the host of the Sunday Scaries show, which is kind of like a dating and ghost show in St. Louis. So we talk a lot about ghost stories in this episode and it's really fun. I love talking to Michelle and definitely gonna have her come back again because we always have a good time. And yeah, so I'm gonna answer a listener question and then we're gonna get right to her interview. So this week's question, somebody asked, how do I make myself comfortable when meeting a guy that I meet on a dating app? And I think that's such a good question because it is so important for us to feel comfortable because that really allows us to actually be present and focus on the other person and less be in our heads. And part of that comes with safety. Just like a lot of women, we just have to think about our safety more than I think men do. So that also ties into comfort. So just making sure that you're in a public place or somewhere that you feel comfortable and not doing something that makes you pushing your boundaries. And also kind of along those same lines, whatever somebody can do to make you more comfortable, I really am a big believer that asking for what you need will really help put you at ease and then also make it better for that person because then they feel like they're helping you and also then probably makes them more comfortable if they also have something that would make them feel better too. So for instance, I went on a date earlier this month and the date was at 6.45, I think. And I was really in my head because I was like, am I supposed to eat dinner before? Like, am I supposed to snack? Is there going to be food? Are we going to do food food? Like I was kind of just going through this like rabbit hole in my brain. And I was like, why don't I just ask? And then it all got cleared up, but having to take those initial steps to clarify. And I know that's kind of a silly example, but anything you can do to make yourself more comfortable, like then I knew, okay, we're going to get food. So I don't need to worry about having a meal meal. So anything that can set yourself at ease so that you can actually focus on the other person, I think is a win. With that, please enjoy my episode with Michelle. It's a spooky one. How are you doing? I'm good. Just got married. I know. I was going to say, according to my calculations, I think you're a married woman. How was it? Yeah, it was good. It was a whirlwind, let me tell you. Yeah? Like crazy. I mean, it was so good, but it was just, it's incredible how busy the day is. Did you get to enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, as much as you can, if the bigger the wedding, the less fun you'll probably have because you feel like you can't get to everybody. So we were at like 170. Oh, it's pretty big. Yeah, pretty big. But it was supposed to be 300. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was in St. Louis. Uh-huh. Does it feel different now that you're married? No. 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 I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's better because everything is like official, officially official. Yeah. But no, otherwise it's like 
is the same. It's great. <laughs> oh, good. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah it was good. That's awesome. I can't believe how quickly everything went. I'm like, oh my God, we're doing our Halloween episode already. We just recorded. I know. And your episode was everybody's favorite. Like I'm so getting, yeah. So apparently I have lots of married listeners. It really resonated everything that we talked about. Yeah. So I'm still getting texts from friends who like are catching up on old episodes. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. The ways I go, like moving forward with stuff. I could, I mean, definitely with with bridal stuff too. I'm like, you know what, if I could do that over, I probably would have done it more low key. Who cares about the huge flower arrangements and the bullshit that you just worry so much about? It's just not about that. Have you guys been doing the Sunday Scaries show again? No, not yet. Coming up, you know, I don't know how, how much did I get into last time about the show and what had been happening to us because of it? Can I get into that? Why don't we do a recap? Okay. Well, long story short, we've been on the fence about like, do we, I know I have to pick it up. I know a Halloween episode has to drop this month. I'm like, oh my God, I'm scared to go back in. And because we had stuff that followed us, I assume, to our new house and our new house was totally haunted. Oh yeah. So we talked about that. Yeah. So what happened with the house stuff? We had to get two mediums and a priest and it's been totally clear, but also we have not filmed since. So we're, we're doing our both like, oh man, do we go back in? Like, talking to other people like, okay, how do you protect yourself in that sort of a setting? Yeah. So how do they fix it? Do you know? The just went through with holy water and like bless all the property and the mediums tap into what they're seeing in the house and try to get the spirits to like agree to pass over and leave the premises and not come back and almost create like a, like a spiritual wall of protection, just all the way, like a moat for ghosts. Yeah, a moat. <laughs> Were they able to find out who they were or anything? It said there were a lot of kids. Oh. Which makes sense because it was almost like practical joke kind of stuff. Like the shutters, right? The shutters freaked us out. I, I just, I just got the girl. <laughs> yeah, the shutters were, that was bad. And then like the footsteps, like the little wet footsteps. Wait, what about, what were the footsteps? There were, you can kind of see it this way. This is big long hallway okay, and hardwood floors. Okay. So we're sleeping in the get when we first moved in, we didn't have our master bedroom set yet. So we're sleeping in the guest room and in the middle of the night, I like shoot up in bed. I'm like, Oh my God, there's something coming in. You just hear like little wet footsteps coming down the hall and you can't, it's so jarring because you know what it is. Yeah. And I'm used to having like nightmares and stuff. So I thought it was just something I was dreaming. But the weekend that we moved in was my bachelorette party. So we literally closed on the house. Joe went with all of our group, well, our brother-in-laws and um, started moving stuff in. I took off three hours to the Lake of the Ozarks for my bachelorette party. So for two days, he was sleeping in the house by himself. And he kept getting woken up in the middle of the night. He thought one of the neighbors was having a party because he's hearing people talking. And same thing with the footsteps. But he didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to scare me. Yeah. And then, like Sunday night when I finally got home from the bachelorette party and we were sleeping in that room together it woke me up and it was every night. So we hadn't even put boxes in front of the door, like barricade it. Cause we didn't know what the hell was going on in the house. We thought maybe the owner, like the old owner was coming back in or like, you just, Oh my never- gosh. I wish you could see the little hairs on my arm right now. Cause they're all. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really creepy. I feel like the ghost just kicked us me off. I'm going to have to pay a medium again. <laughs> Or else my place is haunted. 
I can get into it more because actually I called one of the mediums that I work with on the show and she knew exactly what I was talking about. She was just coming in as a favor and we had a whole long hour long reading and it's scary how accurate it was. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what else did she like say? So she came in and the first card she threw down, she was like, oh, you're looking for a house, which at the time Joe and I were house hunting. And she said, you're going to find it soon, really soon. And it's going to be your dream house. Okay. So long story short, like I think maybe within five to seven days, we had this house. We stumbled across it. And we put an offer on it. It moved really quick because we didn't have a contingency to sell the last place. So we closed in 30 days. So we weren't expecting to find it that fast, but it was amazing. I didn't even have time to contact her back to be like, oh, you were right. So then when all the footstep stuff started happening, I called her. I said, hey, listen, I've got some I've got some really weird stuff happening. What's going on? Now, I also had another medium that I have known since high school that used to intern with Sylvia Brown. She was coming out to the property, but I almost wanted to see if two people would be picking up on the same stuff, and they were. So this lady, who had never stepped foot on this property, was like, okay, so your property is on a lot of land, right? I was like, yeah, we're probably an acre, a little over an acre. And it backs up to a body of water. And he said, no, no, there's no water. She's like, okay, walk out your back door, start walking. I'll tell you when to stop. I need you to look to your right. And sure as shit, there is a, I, there's so much, there's so much like just growing up trees and stuff. I didn't realize that the neighbor off caddy corner to the back end of our property has a pond. Oh. So I guess maybe somebody drowned, like a little kid or something drowned. Something happened in that body of water. And that's why we were getting a little wet foot coming down the hallway. Oh, I'm so creeped out right now. I can make it worse if you want. Yeah, please do. So before we ever moved, we had a contract on the house. We hadn't closed yet. So we were still in our old place. And it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night, laying in bed. Joe starts to doze off. And I, of course, like I'm up watching Housewives or watch what happens live something like I'm tuned in and he shoots up in bed and he was like oh my god the new house it doesn't have a basketball court does it I was like what he's like or a basketball hoop is there a hoop somewhere in the backyard off the end of the driveway I was like yeah there's an old green hoop it's kind of overgrown like why and he's like no there's not I said yeah there is what's the big deal and he said he's always had this premonition that he was on this deck and he's going to shoot a hoop into this basket and the premonition the like whatever he would see would go away after that that night, he saw the rest of it. Now, he had started having the premonition before we ever even got together and never knew what it was. So he had this premonition dream, I guess, that he saw the beginning, going to shoot the hoop. And then he realized that he was playing the game with my dad. And we had, I guess, moved into this house that we are now in and put a pool in. And there was one of our kids, like something bad happened. I don't know if he was playing basketball with my dad. They weren't watching. Someone fell in and something happened. But he was like, we can never get a pool ever because something's going to happen. So I also don't know if that has to do with the footsteps. We've like thought about all is it a past life thing? Yeah. It happened before. We're probably not going to get a pool. I have so many chills right now. (laughs) (laughs) Ricky? Okay. So going back to the two mediums. So did they pick up on these different threads as well? The mediums? Yes. So one medium picked up that it had happened in a previous life. Oh, that's right. 
And I don't know that if we had like, I don't really, I didn't necessarily believe in that stuff. I, I kind of do. I kind of don't want to. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm Catholic. I just don't, I don't know. But it's hard to not believe in something because who knows? You don't know. And I just love this kind of stuff. So I'm like, maybe it was something that happened to us in a past life. And maybe we're just like at the same age that it happened to us. And we got married again and had to come back and do it, do a round round of uh, living without tragedy like that. So has he always had premonitions? I guess I don't really know very much about premonitions. I don't think so. I don't think so. And he's so business oriented and stuff that he would never, ever, ever speak about it. And his family doesn't believe in any of that stuff. We never talk about it. I mean, my family knew that there were really weird paranormal stuff that was happening in the house. And they were immediately telling us to stop filming the show, which we don't know if something followed us on. We just don't know if it was, you know, something with the land, if it was something we brought home. But needless to say, like ever since all that stuff happened, the last thing we want to do is go out and go back into the brewery and invite in whatever we might have possibly brought home. Yeah. Clear now. It feels like nothing. Mm. Great. Wow. We don't want to go back to that because it was miserable. I mean, every single night. I know we talked a little bit about it on the last episode, but I mean. Yeah, this is way more. Yeah, this is way more intense than I. I know. (laughs) I know. I was just trying to talk about single life. And then (laughs) I do a cool backdrop. And then the next thing I know, I'm hunting ghosts. Buster. (laughs) I love spooky stuff, but I'm definitely like. I had no intention of things going this direction. I know. It's so, that's so creepy though about, I can't believe the little footsteps. That's just. The footsteps are freaking us out. So honestly, we got our new furniture delivered into the master bedroom. The master has carpet. So even if there were footsteps, we're not going to hear you. Like, oh, we perfect. Guest room over into the master. <laughs> I don't have premonitions of anything bad ever. Thank God. Cause I think it would just give me too much anxiety. Yeah. But I can tell you, I can sniff out a pregnancy a mile away. Like, I'll dream it. Really? Oh, it's always been that way. Did I tell you that last time? I know you mentioned it in passing. Can you give us some stories? Yeah. So one of the girls I cheered with on Rams, we had went to an outing and she was dating this brand new guy and she was 32 or 33, just totally career focused, dating someone new, not expecting anything. And I had a dream that she was pregnant and it was a boy. Wow. And I knew that she would not be open to that. So I didn't mention it to her. I told one of our other friends that we were all cheering with and she mentioned it to her. So she comes up to me and she says, Shannon said you had a dream about me. And I was like, I did. I had it. And my dreams are never wrong about this. Like you're pregnant. And she said, I'm not pregnant. I just started seeing this guy. Like there's no possible way. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're pregnant and it's a boy. And sure shit, like within... No. So yes, she was pregnant. And then all of us girls get together. We go out at this point. My friend Angelica is like seven months pregnant and didn't know what the sex was. They were going to be surprised. And all the girls were saying, oh, I think it's a girl. It's a boy. <laughs> of course it was. And his name is Hunter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but totally unexplained. Same with my mom, though. I mean, we knew when my aunt was pregnant. I woke up one day, came downstairs, and I said, Mom, Jody's pregnant. And she's like, I know. It's a boy. She had the same dream. Really? Mm-hmm. And she was. And actually, he was my ring bearer this weekend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. So does your mom also have, like, similar experiences then? 
Yeah, you know what? She's so busy all the time with so much on her mind that I don't think she really taps into as much as she could. But like even before she ever had me, when her and my dad were first dating and they did it for eight years. So I think they started dating when they were 14. Um, wow. Yeah, so they did it for eight years before they ever got married. So at 14 years old, when you have a dream about this kind of stuff, she doesn't want to say anything. But she thinks that her and my dad were getting married and she had a huge long veil and there were two little twin boys at the end holding her veil. But being so young, she wouldn't freak out my dad, just didn't mention it. Years go by, my dad's brother gets married. My dad's brother, they have a baby. They have another baby. And like I said, they dated for eight years, so they had a little bit of time. Then they get pregnant with twins. And my mom knows instantly, like, they're going to be boys. And by the time this all happened, my mom and dad, like, she knew that for sure, you know, years later, they're going to get married. They did. And just like she saw in her dream, those two little twin boys, Jim and Joe, were at the end of the aisle holding up her train, just like she saw in her dream, like, prior. That is wild. Yeah. How old were you? Or, like, what was kind of your first discovery or, like, realized? realization, I guess, that you kind of could tap into this? Mm, well, I would see stuff a lot when I was little and no one ever, no one ever believed me. And they just thought I was really imaginative, which I still am. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you see? I would see things in our house and I would tell my parents about this little girl that lived there named Ava. And they were like, oh, okay, there's no one, there is no one in this house. I'm like, yes, there is. There's a little girl. Her name's Ava. And she freaks me out. Like, <laughs> tell her yeah. her room. just scare me so bad. So they would make fun of me and be like, ooh, Ava. <laughs> so scary. So no one ever believed me. But, you know, years later when we moved out of that house, finally, my dad was finishing the basement. I don't know why. Like, always decided to do more to a house after we had left it. So, like, the basement that was never finished, all of a sudden, once he's going to rent out the house, he just has to finish the basement. So he's down there working one night. We had all moved to our new house, so he's there by himself. And the front door, when you would open it, made a very, very loud, distinct sound. And he heard the front door open, and he heard people walking around. So he thought it was my mom and my sister, like, coming over to see how much work he got done in the basement, check it out, see what it's looking like. So he comes upstairs, excited to show us what he's been working on. Nobody's there. And he's looking all around. He's like, maybe there is an Ava. Maybe there is an Ava. Wow. Finally. That's so cool that like you and Joe are kind of like a power couple that you both can kind of pick up on each other's, like you both are picking up on different things and then together it's like you can kind of solve problems. I don't know if he knew how weird I was when we first started dating. <laughs> Maybe I probably, well, I just kind of throw it out there because I just, I yeah. know. I mean, it just, it is what it is. You kind of can't hide your, whoever you are. <laughs> you can't. Sooner or later it comes out. Yeah. But yeah, luckily he would never say it. I don't think he would ever tell these stories to anybody else. But maybe just knowing that I kind of have similar, yeah, like allows him to just say the same. He'll kill me for telling these stories on air. If anyone in his family listened to the episode, they'd be like, your house wasn't haunted. I didn't know that. We didn't tell any of them. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Joe doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. He's very, very, I think, like I said, there's a lot more people out there that would just never admit the things they've seen. Yeah. Well, even like when my other grandmother died, when I was super little, we went to her house soon after she passed away. And then it was my dad's mom. And I stood outside. I don't remember why, but my parents went back in and like did a walkthrough and they said they like felt my grandma's energy, like something they picked up on, like she was still present or something. And then we went back again and they said it like felt just completely different, but they didn't see anything, but it was like something with the energy. 
Oh, you no, I've told you that about shooting the show in the Lent Brewery. The upstairs is fine. There's a bunch of windows up there. Nothing really bad happened upstairs. When you go downstairs into the basement, the second you open the door, the energy changes. Every single last guest we've had has noticed it. It's wild. Like your, your knees are just chattering. Like you feel like your legs are jello instantly. Huh. There were a lot of murders. There were, I have to say allegedly, but it's happened. But yeah. people go Google it. It's called the Package Killer at the Lent Brewery in St. Louis. And this guy, I don't know how many women were held captive down there and then later killed either on site or very close to on site. So whatever happened there, crazy kind of stuff while he kept these poor women captive in a pit, in a completely dark, just, I mean, it's like being in one of those float tanks. Mm-hmm. Like you can't hear anything because the walls are lined with cork. That's how they kept the library bottles cold all season long. And it's underground for that reason too. But it made for one hell of a place to keep women captive and completely unaware of their surroundings. That is it's terrifying. Wild. The energy thing is is so true. So anytime we have a ghost, or we have a ghost, we have a guest. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of ghosts. Anytime we have a guest, we invite them after they they come, they sit down, they tell us their terrible dating stories. And then we're like, okay, you ready? Dare or scare? If you let me give you a dare, I'm going to make you call an ex or whatever else I come up with. Or you choose the scare and you have to go down and explore the lamp basement. Oh, by themselves. Now I send a camera guy down at least. <laughs> I used to go down myself with everybody, but I, I hate it. I hate going down there. How many people actually take you up on the scare part? So far, all of them. Every single one. I think it's just because they're, they're there. Yeah. They're there. They're curious. They want to see what's down there. I'm like, could someone please just choose like dare? Would we all have to dare, please? Can't we just call an ex-boyfriend? Like I have so many good dares ready to go. I do. I've got I've got a handful of dares. No one ever picks it. So when you come to town, you have to pick dare. I know you'll pick scare, but I'll do one of each, maybe. Yeah. When you're going to the basement by yourself with the camera guy, because I actually the camera guy, when we first went to go shoot just B-roll footage of the property. We both that night, he was like, I don't know if I can do this. Honestly, he's like, I had to go home and go straight into the shower. He's like, I don't feel right. I don't feel right. Like, this place is dark. And I didn't like it either. Okay, I'm going to be so scared. Because I can scare myself silly just from, like, walking, like, just down the street. I'm like, oh, (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) Totally. I'm scared of my own shadow. But there, on the side of that place, I have a reason to be scared of everything. Yeah. That is a crazy story. Hmm. Yeah, that place is wild. I did not realize that that like there were so many murders. That's I don't know that it was. It's nothing like crazy. It's not like tens of thousands. Of people. It's nothing. It was only a handful of murders. But I think that it was the way that they were kept down there and tortured and like in that space for so long. Plus, the Lemp family, they were like the original Bush family here in St. Louis. The Anheuser Bush family lives here still. But before them and before the prohibition hit, it was the Lemps. That was like the biggest brewery, I think, I really think in the Midwest, possibly even the United States at the time in the 1800s, late 1800s. But there were three different generations that all killed themselves with the same style revolver. Oh, that's right. So there's like a Lent family curse. There was one person that was still alive that inherited all of the documents, all of the stuff that really happened, stuff that all a lot of people just just doesn't know about and he burned it all oh so there's no yeah there's like 
a lot of history that people just don't know about. And the house that they lived in sat vacant. It sat vacant for a while. Then they turned it into a TB hospital, which probably added to paranormal stuff. Yeah. Then it sat vacant again. And then in the 70s, the Pointer family in St. Louis just started to renovate it because they're like, oh my God, this is such a piece of St. Louis history. How could this possibly be falling into the dust like this? So they opened it back up as a bed and breakfast, like renovated everything to its original look. And a lot of it's very authentic. The furniture, a lot of it was still there. So that is open as a bed and breakfast. And there's underground tunnels that lead to the brewery. That's how Adam Lemp would go from his house to his business. Didn't want to be seen in the public. Didn't want to be bothered. Had that whole little curse going on. Okay, so what's the craziest dating story that someone's told on your show? The craziest dating story? (laughs) Oh, let's see. We've had some really good ones. You know what's funny? There's so many insults that, that people read of like, if a guy slides in your DM and doesn't get the reaction that he wants, it's like a, a switch is flipped and you go from being like, hey, baby, you're the cutest. You're the most beautiful. Screw you, bitch. You're the worst. <laughs> I'll never talk to you again. So there's a ton of that. And it's so funny watching them read out loud these messages and see all the different reactions and how that comes about. I just, I always get a kick out of that. You know what I forgot to ask you for our last episode? What was your favorite story in the book? My favorite story was the weenie tap. I just oh, gosh. The weenie tap guy. My birthday weekend. I'm so excited. Like this was a mutual friend, a friend of a friend, I should say, not a mutual friend, that my matron of honor wanted to set me up with this guy. God bless her. So <laughs> he's a winner, as I recall. Yeah, oh, he was a winner. So online, he looked like a GQ model, like looked amazing. It was like, this is perfect. Wow, my friend is setting me up. And she's like, yeah, I haven't seen this guy in a long time. But I mean, he was really good looking, all this stuff. We talked back and forth. We had plans to meet up at a bar. And I'm like, okay, well, great. It's my birthday weekend. We're going to go to this beer festival because I'm October 13th. So I'm Halloween-ish. The October is Halloween, the entire yeah. month. Prove me wrong. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this Halloween like beer festival that day. That night, we're going to meet up at uh, a bar. So show up to the bar and he's with his friends. I tell him to come meet, come meet us, come in front of the bar. And he won't. It's like, well, come to me at the at the back of the bar. I said, we already we already stopped here and we just got a beer. Like we're in line right now. Just come up here. He would not. An hour goes by because I'm not going to go chase him down because he was kind of being like short and snappy about it, which was weird. And I'm just distracted because I'm with my friends and they start buying birthday shots, so we're going to have fun. So an hour later, what was supposed to be this beautiful GQ model, this like wonderful specimen of a man, this little troll, this little baby little guy that is nothing like what he looks like in the pictures comes like makes this turn around the bar. And I will never forget it because my mouth just drops to the ground and he stretches his arms out like, and starts coming towards me as like, it's an airplane, like swooping side to side. So I'm staring so confused, like, okay, I know that's him. He obviously knows it's me. Arms are stretched out wide and he's picking up speeds. Okay. Here comes the airplane man. <laughs> he's coming in hot. I bet he wants to give me a hug. So he picks up more speed. And he's like, at this point, barreling towards me. So I, like an idiot, hold out my arms like to greet him with a hug. And he zips by me, slaps me so hard in the crotch and goes, what's up, nerd? <laughs> he winked at me, flips around. It was like, hey, bartender, we need a round of shots. It's her birthday. 
and made me pay for it for like 10 people's shots on my birthday. But he was a gem. That that story was so like offensive on so many levels. Like I feel like especially in the Me Too movement, stories <laughs> just didn't this happen before the Me Too yeah. movement. I could really be mad about it, but I was like, I just got weenie tapped and charged on my credit card for it. Chivalry said. Isn't that strange? Like the weirdest way to greet someone? He's just so it's just online shopping to a T for me. It, it never works. It doesn't. Until it does. And then you got married. Oh, it's different now. Online <laughs> online everything is different now. But back yeah. before we had back before Tinder and Bumble were popular, you would see someone on Facebook and hope that you had a mutual friend. Oh yeah. You know? And the Facebook photos at that time were further away. Oh, yeah. And you, you were only allowed to have one picture, at least when I started on Facebook. Yes. And you could be hat fished because if they're wearing a hat, they look so much better than if oh. they're not wearing a hat. You can't name one guy that looks bad in a hat unless he has a really fat head. <laughs> if you're dating Mr. Potato Head, he looks terrible in a hat. But 99% of guys look great in hats. Also sunglasses. Same with Also sunglasses. Yeah. But that doesn't rhyme with the fish. But like <laughs> hat that is a that is a thing. It totally when is. When the hat comes off and the troll comes running around the corner, you get slapped in the crotch and like charged for expensive shots on your birthday weekend. Yeah, that was fabulous. Yeah, that was terrible. That was sounds like a traumatic one. I remember that one. That was like the first story in the book, I think, right? I had to open yeah. up with that because he was just so he was just such a weirdo. Yeah. At least it was all downhill from there. It was all what <laughs> though I would not change one of those bad dates because now I think they are so funny. I was such a hot mess then too of like, you know, cause you try to make like, okay, well this guy, like he might be okay because he didn't slap me in the crotch when he first met me. And um, he didn't draw dicks on the table at macaroni grill. So I'm sure like, he's totally normal. This will, this will be the guy. Nope. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, but man. once you get past it all, it is so funny to look back and I would not change a thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love your book. Luckily, I know a bunch of people have gotten it since the podcast came out. So I know people are enjoying it as well. Oh, good. Well, the next book's going to be more about like coming into your own as single. Because that's how you get to the next phase, which is my most recent one, which is getting married. So can you give us a little teaser on book number two or yeah. married? <laughs> uh, both? <laughs> okay. Well, it's a, I can't, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you the title or not. I guess I could. It's called How to Slay Single. So it's just once I got past all the bad dates, then I realized it had nothing to do with any of those guys. It was more about me the entire time. So to find a way to enjoy single and to make single work for you, it's all about just being your best self, as terrible and corny as that sounds. It is the truth. Taking the time to be doing all the fun things that you want to do. Like it's October. There is something, even in COVID, that you could be doing every single weekend, couple a couple nights a week with your girlfriends. I don't care if you get all your friends tested before you hang out. Don't care. You need to do it. <laughs> just fun things that you put off and put off and put off. You are not going to have the time for. Once you're in a serious, committed relationship, you're together all the time, your friends go, you know, you just don't have as much time for your friends. And that's the inevitable truth. And then when they get to the point where they're getting married and they're starting to have kids, it's going to be the same way for them. So you might as well take the time you have now, whether it's with your friends or your family, and truly enjoy their time. And make these like moments, do these parties, have a Halloween party, have, you know, you have a virtual cocktail hour once a week. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Wait, so when does your book come out? I wanted it to be out by the end of 2020, but it's 2020. So things don't go as planned. <laughs> so I'm going to aim for Valentine's Day. Okay. 
Will you come back so we can talk about your book? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And will you come back in general? We have to be like our marriage. I know. I'll be your, I'll be your uh, quarterly correspondent. How yes, about that? Perfect. <laughs> we can talk, can talk about ghosts and slaying single. And I'm excited for your book because that's actually kind of my premise of like the podcast is celebrating single people and really embracing where we are in this journey and not trying to always change the outcome, just like being focused on where we are in the process and enjoying the process. That's it. it. Being present in the moment because you can't change it. Every single bad, if it's a bad breakup, if it's a funny breakup, no matter what, you have to sit there and wallow it because whether it's someone that you talk to for two days, two weeks, two months, like it's a rejection or a fail, which is not really a fail, but it feels like one, Mm -hmm. no matter how long or short, like they all hurt. What's the difference? Well, and you know what I've also been thinking about? So me and like a bunch of my friends, like who I've talk about dating with whenever something good is actually happening we actually can't even enjoy the good thing in dating because we're so afraid that it's going to fail oh I told you about that one in the last episode yes yeah and it's been like but even more now so in COVID I feel like so many of my friends when I talk to them about dating they're always like oh I went on an awesome date but like it's not going anywhere and it's already going to be over and like I'm just like wait we have to celebrate a win the best advice I ever got was from one of my friends and is the most simple thing in the world, but it's like one day at a time. You can only think about, if you only allow yourself to think about what's happening today, you have to be so present in the moment because you can outthink yourself and think you know what someone else is thinking or think you know how something's going to turn out and be totally, completely wrong. Oh, and you can yeah. mark. I mean, you know, you end up making it so much harder for yourself. Oh yeah. I hurt my own feelings half the time. <laughs> Oh, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at that. I make myself, I mean, I put myself through hell for what? Yeah, I'm just like torturing myself in my brain. I probably just look like I'm just deep in thought. And then really I'm like, oh, I can't believe that we got down this rabbit hole. Overthinking is the worst. And I have to constantly be working on that. I mean, there is a subconscious mind and it governs a lot of your behaviors. And fear of just rejection in general doesn't go away. It can be something that started when you were younger and then kind of snowballed into this huge fear. Just as, as bad as it is when you're dating and being so afraid that, okay, you, you like this person, but you're going to ruin it. Or I'm never going to find the person. Or then on the flip side, I'm in a relationship. Oh shit. How do I keep this person? It's all fear. Mm-hmm. It's not really any different. And so you're never getting that. And it's all stories that we tell ourselves. We fit pieces to fit into these narratives that aren't always true. No, half the time they're not true at all. Yeah. Believe me, I, poor Joe, God bless him. He really just stuck by me through, I think I had so many subconscious negative thought patterns running through my mind, not even realizing it. I didn't realize there were some self-sabotage behaviors going on that he really had to combat and be like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. But I had to hear it so many times and just keep going, keep going over it. Because once you can pinpoint it, and realize that like what you are so convinced is the truth in your mind is actually not the truth, then you can be like, oh, well, what else am I overreacting about? But really the hypnosis, I'll, I'll go down to just like fear is fear no matter what. So for instance, like with my book, I had so much fear to put it out there. So much. I mean, I wrote it for four years and I was so afraid of what people would say about it because I thought it maybe come off as cheap maybe. You know, or like it was like smut rating because it was dating related. I'm sure you know, you know, people just assume. Yeah. So like my book, it seems like, 
oh, I dated all these guys and I must have taken all these guys home. That was not the case. Most of the stories in that book were a first date or someone I met out at a bar and the crazy things they would say. Those are where the craziest things happen at first date is where most can go wrong. I know, but like the the stigma you get with it is like, oh, Oh, you're dating a lot. Yeah, or like she gets around. She really must be a bimbo because look at all these. That was so far from the truth. It's not even funny. So I had so many blocks about it. I had the book ready and I couldn't get myself to publish it. And I got hypnotized just to get over the fear of it. And within five days, not even knowing I was doing it, but not even realizing it, it made it like each little thing was a task. Like, oh, I need to, I need to get up at two o'clock in the morning because I have a person in England that's doing the, like the text conversion I need it to be in. So I better get up. I'll just send her a quick message you know, make sure we get our correspondence back and forth. Then I'll go back to bed. And then the next day, I'd be like, oh, you know what I should do? I need to finalize what the cover would be. So it broke it down into little bitty bite-sized pieces that resulted in five days later, we're live. Book's out. Well, I'm really glad that you published the book because I love your book. Thank you. It's so funny. I know that fear. Yeah. I'm excited for your next book too. Me too, but I'm not excited to. Uh, <laughs> but I'll go get hypnotized on that because yeah. <laughs> writing a book is, it's a lot of work. Yeah, but you'll be sharing so much wisdom with us. Well, I feel like we really hit every note again. We had we started off really scary, <laughs> then just loop back around. To we loop back around to dating, which is also sometimes scary, but mostly fun. <laughs> Different forms of scary. It's all a good kind of scary. Yeah, absolutely. Your listeners are just probably spinning around like, "Where yeah, I've been on yeah. capital journey." <laughs> Like, how am I going to sleep tonight? I'm scared of these like little kids. I was wondering that when I was telling you some of the stories. I thought, oh boy, hope you're not by yourself. No, I'll be fine. I'm always with my cat. Well, he's always with me. So animals can pick up on it and wake you up. Yeah, I, he's actually like the laziest cat ever. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll just pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, and I'm so excited for you to come back again. And uh, I guess before February, whenever your book is, we can be a pre-read of it. You know, I'm waiting on you to come to St. Louis to do a Sunday Scary Show episode. I know I need to come. I'll I'll do it. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my spooky episode with Michelle. And as you guys know, I'm doing my dating hack series. So this week's hack is to have fun. Sometimes we forget that dating is supposed to actually be fun. It's not supposed to be some miserable thing that we suffer through and we're just hobbling through and just so much suffering. No, we're supposed to have fun, enjoy the process. And I know it can sound easier than it is, but for everything else that we do, like we do things because we like doing them. And the more that you can make yourself enjoy certain things, the better. So like rewarding yourself, like if you do a FaceTime date, reward yourself and take yourself out for ice cream afterwards or there's lots of different things you could do but making it fun for you will change everything if you're not having fun then you have to change what you're doing and that's part of the podcast is that we want to have more fun during dating like i said we're not supposed to suffer so whatever we can do to make this more fun hopefully this podcast will help give you just some laughs in general. That's like more fun. And if you guys have other ideas for other ways that you can make dating fun for yourself, let me know and I'll share them here. But there's a lot of ways. And I think also putting less pressure. I know I've talked about this before, but 
honestly, the idea of pressure really, it sucks the fun out of everything when you put so much pressure. So letting go, holding everything really lightly and just kind of being like, oh, that's interesting. Or like, oh, that's funny. That is my dating hack of the week is just to have fun. And if you're not having a good time, also a great time to take a little break and then recharge. Highly recommend that. I take lots of breaks. It's a marathon, not a sprint. No one's racing to anywhere. So take a break when you need it. And that's the hack. Just have fun. Thank you again to Michelle for joining me on this spooky, spooky episode. And always thank you to StudioPod for their ongoing partnership with editing and publishing and all the fun things. And I will see you guys next week.